Okay, hello and welcome to the first of a series of chats that I'll be having on a semi-regular basis with people of interest and people that can share their thoughts on how their area of uh, expertise has been affected by the COVID-19 situation. Um, today, I'm really pleased to be able to be talking to Ben Carpenter from Taylor My Property um, to, uh, uh, to ask him to give us an overview of the UK property sector as a whole and where it stands at the moment and, and maybe where it's going. Um, so Ben, first of all, welcome. Hello George, hope all well with yourself. Yeah, all good, family. thanks buddy. Yes, yeah, all good mate, um, we're, we're, we're getting through. Um, so I think, you know, best way to start this conversation is just to ask you to give us a bit of an overview on Taylor My Property, you know, what are the core aspects of the business and kind of how you interact with the, you know, the property asset. Yeah, no problem. Um, so TMP have been going now in Singapore for around seven years. Uh, it's just a bit of background on myself as well. Uh, it's my second stint in Singapore. I was actually grew up out here. I was one of those expat brats that you find that, that um, yeah, did their schooling out here. And then I, I moved back to the UK. Uh, and for that time, uh, predominantly I was working in real estate, primarily in London. Uh, I then came out here essentially to set up the foundations for TMP uh, around seven years ago, as I said, uh, and that was really based on kind of the, the expat network that I managed to maintain over the years. And, and I think whilst we do assist Singaporeans, I think still the focus for the, for the most part is on expatriates in the region, as well as I might add in, in the Middle East where we also have a footprint. And um, from my experience in the property market, I've I found that actually relationships with clients tend to be relatively transactional. Um, and really, TMP have tried to distance ourselves as much as possible from that. Um, you know, typically, real estate agents, their role is to represent a handful of sellers at any one time um, to mass market opportunities to their entire client base, uh, to see what sticks, and then ultimately to try and and sell as much as possible, and that's really where the relationship ends. At TMP, what we do is a little bit on the inverse. So we won't put any specific options to clients until we've actually had a, a, either a face-to-face -face conversation with them, or certainly under current circumstances, you know, a, a phone conversation, to establish what the context of their scenario is, uh, to work out um, you know, what, what properties they already have, where they're looking to grow their portfolio, and on the back of that, devising some specific objectives that we can work uh, with the client on. And then the options that we provide to clients from, from a range of probably around, I would say, 60 to 70 third-party agents, developers, third parties, anyone really that has access to properties that we, we like and think represent worthwhile opportunities, um, we will then put options to the individual that we think match their specific criteria. And the other way we then differentiate ourselves is really to then take clients start to finish through the entire investment process. So actually, a lot of the first conversations that I have with a client don't even focus on property specifics. It's very much on how do we go about financing this. And, and it's often probably a sticking point for people in people's minds. And ultimately, it is more of a challenge uh, as compared to if you're living in the UK, because there are only a, a select number of lenders that will lend 
to people, even if they're a UK citizen, living outside of the UK. Um, but having said that, that we have access to those options, so we will again identify what someone's personal circumstances are, and that on that basis, what lenders are going to be viable. We'll take them through the affordability calculations, get them in principal decisions, um, and then take them literally with a fine tooth going through the entire uh, full application process. On top of that, we do have third-party lettings and management companies, FX brokers, um, uh, tax accountants that have very simply uh, filed tax returns for our clients through small complex things such as setting up company structures to invest in property through. Uh, we've assisted on the on-sale of properties before. So really anything re related to property, um, we, we are there to be a hand on the shoulder. Cool. Okay, good. So um, obviously that's a pretty broad brush of kind of um, uh, yeah. of how you interact with private individuals on, you know, on the asset class that is property. Um, and obviously uh, property is probably everyone's favourite asset class in truth. Um, and it's obviously had a bit of a bit of a roller coaster time, you know, in the UK specifically with um, all the concerns around Brexit that now sort of seem like another lifetime ago, and also seem um, a slightly sort of misjudged risk um, during that period of time, and particularly when the sort of catastrophic language that was used around Brexit um, and uh, for the UK property market. Um, uh, now looks slightly overdone as we look at what's happening currently um, to the UK. Uh, but start of this year, obviously, it seemed that things were, you know, really picking up. Boris is elected, good strong majority. Finally, a bit of political stability in the UK, and that's exactly what people wanted. Um, and you know, the international appetite and domestic appetite for that UK uh, property asset class, you know, was 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 riding, you know, quite high. And then comes um, the COVID situation. So, you know, how have you found it? What, 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 have, what have been the sort of key outcomes and, of how property has been affected in the market in the short term um, since, you know, the emergence of this as a pandemic and then the eventual lockdown that, that Boris implemented? Yeah, I mean, I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of the rollercoaster the UK property market has gone through. Um, I think actually amongst people that we've been speaking to in the industry um you know in january february there was a real real optimism that we had finally turned a corner and that we were looking forward to a very positive 2020 um and the 2021 um you know if you look at january february just in terms of the, the average um property price growth over the uk they've grown around three percent over that period of time and we we're also seeing uh, a strong uptick, uptick in, in rentals as well. So I think there is, uh, certainly in kind of March, April time, undeniably there's been uh, some frustration around, a bit of exasperation in the property market that, you know, we turned a corner and then the brakes were put on again by something which was really out with anyone's control, completely unpredictable. Um, that was kind of causing a pause to transactions again. Having said that, um, I think there has been a widespread recognition that this is unlike um, any kind of structural issue that we've seen that have caused property prices to drop in the past. I think there is certainly hope that this is more of a short-term shock to the system. Um, and, and so 
something that ultimately the UK property market can relatively quickly rebound from. Um, you know, you are undeniably that, that there are going to be long-term impacts from coronavirus. Um, but in terms of just transaction numbers, even over the last week to 10 days, since the property market in the UK has started to open up, and it certainly has, you know, agents and surveyors, lenders are encouraged to, to kind of get back uh, into the office and start doing business again. Um, because of that, um, you know, right move, even in the last week, has just reported a doubling of inquiries to their website, both on, on sales and lettings. So I think actually what you've seen, whilst there has been certainly a frustration around, I think you've seen some hope that things are going to rebound relatively quickly. I think that's, that hope has now actually given way to kind of a renewed optimism that yes, you know, the rebound might be relatively quick. And whilst the, there are going to be long-term impacts, that it's something that the UK can, can certainly ride out. Cool. And then um, what would you, how would you view then, you know, I mean, you, you sort of covered it there actually, but just, you know, just getting a bit of a feel for kind of, you know, current market sentiment, you know, um, is everybody on yeah. the sidelines? Are some people looking at it as an opportunity? Have you seen some quite interesting, um, you know, sort of out of the box thinking to people, you know, people looking to buy or, or get groups of people to buy multiple things to try and get discounts, you know, how are the developers interacting with, with buyers? Um, you know, what's the general feel out there, you know, really on the ground? I think it's, <clears throat> there's very much two sides to the coin at the moment, George. I think on one side, you have a lot of people that are waiting, you know, quite understandably, uh, on the sidelines, um, you know, cautious about the market, not wanting to put um, money into something that they're unsure of. Um, and, and you know, we completely understand the reasons for that. On the flip side, however, um, we are certainly seeing people that uh, are, are going ahead. And actually, what we've found is that a portion of our client base uh, has come back to us unexpectedly. So it, it wasn't people that we were previously engaging with and didn't really expect to send inquiries back to us. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. One, uh, I think people, we had started to see a return to the market anyway, due to the stamp duty amendments that are coming into play. Uh, there was speculation that uh, in, in, the, uh, in the April budget statement, there would be an announcement of an immediate increase in stamp duty for overseas buyers by 2%. Um, actually, as it happens, there has been an increase in stamp duty announced, but that will only come into play in April 2021. So we've been given this kind of 12 month, those unexpected window, and that had caused people to kind of speed up their buying process. If they thought, well, we might buy something in 2021 and save a bit of capital, but now actually they're weighing up the costs of doing that and deciding to, to buy a little bit quicker. Uh, also, what we've seen are people uh, come to us and, and express they have actually divested in other assets. So I think you have seen uh, over the past couple of months and the, the volatility of you know, stocks and shares has been quite clearly underlined. Uh, in contrast, and that shone a light again on, on property and, and the long-term fundamentals of property. Um, the vast, vast majority of our clients are not in this for short-term gains. They're in it to, to get you know, steady appreciation over a long period um, and, and coupling that with, with solid rental yields, which is still being achieved. 
Yeah, um, that's uh, that, that's an interesting point. Sorry to interrupt you there, Ben, but that that no rental problem. yield part of it, I think, is quite interesting. So, you know, from my side, and obviously interest rates a big part of um, the property sector, but also, you know, very important part of the overall um sort of economic view and, and also kind of asset view when you view what looks the good buy or not you know the interest rate environment is incredibly important and um and so you know sort of you know rather bizarrely we're in a position where <laughs> so many years now after the gfc we're at even lower rates than we've ever been before you know how's that sort of translate into in, in, into the yield income opportunities um, for property, you know, where, yeah. where's yield at these days? I mean, it's a very good point, um, and actually, on the on the rental side, and we have, to my knowledge, at this point in time, there's obviously concerns about the rental market in the UK, um, but uh, you know, as far as I'm aware, and we do speak to clients regularly, there aren't any clients that had had a uh, that just aren't receiving any rental income all of a sudden um, from their properties in the UK. There are, granted, a couple of people that have probably had to put in shots and measures and shown some generosity to create a solution which is, is workable with their current tenants. But at the same time, as you've just said, they are, a lot of these clients, whilst they might be receiving slightly lower rental income for a couple of months, they're actually paying a lower monthly repayment as well. Um, you know, if you look at, some, since I've been here, probably average interest rate has been around three and a half percent. But nowadays, what you are seeing, certainly lenders like BOC, Bank of China, they're offering rates right now at, at 2.89 percent. So there is, you know, in terms of rental yielding for those individuals, it's really been relatively stable. Uh, if you just look at rental yields over the whole market, there is a wide disparity across the UK. If you're investing in London, I think the expectation is that you are going to have long-term, you know, i.e. 15 to 20 year steady growth. But to couple that, I think you have to expect that you're going to be achieving rental yield of you know, three, potentially up to 4%. But if we look more regionally in scope at the kind of second tier cities across the UK, yields really have held strong. And, and we're still looking at your kind of five and a half to 6% rental yield range, which on a, you know, if you're looking at a mortgage of 2.8, 2.9%, even at 70 to 75%, that, that is going to come out at cash neutral in, in certain effect. As long as you have a, a tenant in place, you know, they are going to be paying off your, your full repayment mortgage for you as time goes along. Okay, excellent. And then, so that, that rate as well, though, you mentioned on the uh, for, for rate. So, yeah, I, I presume that's kind of classic non-resident buy-to-let um, mortgage rate is it? Absolutely. If we are looking at, and we do have access to mortgages for people that are returning to the UK, you're going to be looking at significantly lower. I mean, HSBC, for example, offering a, a mortgage rate right now for people that even have the intention, it doesn't have to be a commitment to return, they can get a mortgage right now at, at around 1.5%, which is as low as you would be getting if you were <laughs> trying to buy a property whilst living in the UK. Um, yeah. but no, if you, I mean, if that's extraordinary. Yeah. So 1.5, I mean, it's an extraordinary rate. Um, uh, it's an exceptional mortgage product. There aren't many residential products around, but having said that, if you do have a genuine, genuine intention to return back to the UK, uh, HSBC, uh, we've processed a lot of cases with them, and, and ultimately the, the approval rate that we've got ha has been very high. 
Uh, okay, that's good to know. And uh, very interesting, I think, for, for, you know, for clients as well. I mean, you know, uncertain times in every facet of life to some extent. And, you know, some people looking to go back to the UK, that might be of interest. And then I suppose one of the other bits as well, obviously mortgaging being such a big part, um, you know, what's the classic loan to value that some um, people need to think about? So the maximum loan to value you can get on a bank to let would be 75%. So we'd require you to put in a 25% deposit. Um, we tend to suggest that um, people go in at 70% just to protect themselves. You know, we can never guarantee that even on an affordability basis, people will be able to borrow 75%, particularly if the, the lender is, is basing affordability on projected rent. You know, they will have to stress test it. So it really is outside of, of someone's actual employment income. Um, even if they're very high earners, it will just come entirely down to the property. So we would tend to suggest that actually, just to give themselves a bit of a buffer, 70% works. And actually, just from a numbers point of view, when we're working cash flows for individuals, as, as we very often do, um, we tend to find that at 70%, yeah, you at least have that little bit of cushion to protect yourself against any kind of you know, additional payments that you might need to, to make throughout the year, a boiler break, something like that, the radiator needs fixed. Um, you know, those incremental costs, at least you have a bit of a buffer to cushion yourself. Okay, understood. And then if you're, you know, are returning and looking to, to, to mortgage, is it the same deposit kind of quantum sort of, is it loan to value at that level or is it slightly different? It, it would be for HSBC. Um, we can, we could always apply and, and try. I mean, basically HSBC will assess everything on a case by case basis, but we tend to go in at 75% and we, and we do uh, get approval at 75%. I think if we were to look at a couple of other residential uh, lenders out there, Bank of China, for example, again, will offer a residential product for people returning home. They would offer 80%, albeit a slightly higher rate. So you'd be looking at more like at this point in time, about two and a half percent, and you could get an 80% loan to value mortgage. Okay, understood. And then, so that's the kind of mortgaging um, sort of uh, outlook. And um, obviously, yeah, in regards borrowing money, um, COVID's been a bizarre positive because rates have gone down and you get access to to a lower kind of mortgage which sort of protects i suppose against a you know, potential move in 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 rental um amounts um and then you know just across the board i mean i find you know property for me is you know it's sort of the enemy asset in truth um everyone loves it and you have to sort of persuade people to to look at other things um but one of the things that i i find always quite interesting about um you know properties and asset classes, a supply demand situation. And so obviously, as we know, in the UK, there's a massive sort of undersupply of properties that has been for, for, for decades now. And it's been something that is always sort of, you know, promised um, at every election, but then nothing ever really happens. And, you know, a lot of that is because so much of the, you know, the power um, to build and because of the regulations in place set by the government mean that it's it's very difficult for small entrepreneurial builders to get going and you know compete with the big developers and so you know much of the sort of the, the demand supply mechanisms in the UK so you don't find an oversupply a bit like you know we all live in Asia and um, we're all very aware of you know huge buildings being you know put up and empty flats everywhere you don't really have that dynamic um, too much in the UK obviously I think it has become maybe a bit more prevalent around um, you know nine elms Battersea Way in London, but you know broadly it's not the same. Yeah. And so, um, with that demand, you know demand supply being controlled by the developers, 
and, and your knowledge of the developers. You know, how are they, um, you know, is, is that change there? Their, their view, their situation, are they holding back some developments to, to keep interest up so it doesn't, you know, the, the market isn't flooded? Um, you know, what's happening there? I think, I think developers are well aware at this point in time that transaction numbers are down. Um, at the same time, I think there's an expectation amongst some of the people that I've spoken to, you know, some, some potential investors that I've had conversations with, um, that they expect developers to be slashing prices all of a sudden, and, and that just hasn't that just hasn't reflected on reality in terms of what we've seen on the ground in the UK. Um, I think developers, for the most part, you know, they don't just have uh, one particular development at any one time that they're focused on. They might have a couple of sites uh, across any city or across the country, uh, and at the same time, they will have a pipeline of activity that they plan to release and they know exactly when they plan to release that. So what we certainly have seen is a, a number of marketing launches um, delayed. Uh, and really what, what that means is that developers are delaying the release of new stock to the market and thereby, thereby somewhat controlling the amount of supply that's coming on. Um, and as a result, you know, we just aren't seeing prices move perhaps in the same way uh, as some investors would expect. Now, to caveat that, I think, as I said, there is an awareness that, that numbers are low. Uh, and obviously, the developers are keen to get sales on the board. Um, and for that reason, I think they are more ears nowadays than they ever have been um, to listening to potential deals and particularly if that deal involves a, a multiple number of people so actually in terms of advice in terms of buying at this point in time i think to really get the potential discount that some people are looking to achieve i think really you do have to kind of maximize your bargaining power and be strategic about it and the way to do that is to is to collectively buy I don't mean by uh, you know, through a limited company and, and have shares in the company. I simply mean going to a developer and saying, I want to buy, we also have three or four more people that are keen to go alongside me and, and, and what deal can you do on that basis? And actually at TMP, that is something we are looking to structure as well. So we are um, putting together, we're in dialogue with a number of developers that certainly are very open to us bringing, you know, let's say, five or six um, individuals to the table at one time, getting expressions of interest from, that in, from those individuals and thereby maximizing the discount that can be achieved. Um, it's across a range of stock, across a range of cities. Uh, we are grouping together people based on their interests. Um, to, the, to the client, it's going to work in exactly the same way as if they were purchasing property on their own. You know, the title will be in their own name. They can rent, sell, absolutely if they like, they can get mortgaging on it. Um, we are simply grouping people together just to put them in the best position that they can be when they're in dialogue with the developer. Okay, good. So that's one of the, so that's been kind of, I suppose, uh, a, a, an example of being able to turn the sort of, you know, the situation into a bit of a positive because developers, it sounds like, have been fairly stubborn, you know, for individual buyers. But if you can tempt them with a, a bit of a collective um purchase they, they, they there is the potential to negotiate um you know a, a bit of a win on the price absolutely i mean there's really just two sides to the story again one 
at the end of the day, developers are being told to go back to work and contractors are out on site again. So it's understandable that I think developers are thinking that this might be something more short term that they can write down. And in the long term, they have absolute faith in the mechanics of their, their business and they have faith in the development market in the UK. Um, having said that, absolutely, if the right deal comes through their door, that they are going to be open to it and more open to it than they ever have. And as I said, I think the way to do that is really to, to prick their ears and prick their interest by not just saying we have one person, it's we have multiple numbers of people. What can you do on that basis? Yeah. Okay. Understood. And then um, for them as well, you know, because you know that classic kind of supply demand situation with um, uh, with properties. I mean, is that your, you know, uh, how far in the future do the, you know, are the, are the developers sort of um, looking at projects? So for you, is it projects that are completing now, or are they, you know, dealing with that, you know, sort of more established internationally now? I suppose. Um, off-plan model. There are quite a few, you know, sort of uh, committed large infrastructure projects going in over the next two, three years. It's a real mix. I would say, in terms of what we like as a business and, and what we think most suits our clients, they tend to be small-scale projects, potential potentially refurbs rather than new builds. Um, we believe that people in the UK don't like to live. I, I, I mentioning kind of the the multi-story kind of glass towers that are going up, you know, in certain areas of London, and certainly we are seeing that. Um, whilst rare, there is certainly we do see that uh, on occasions in in various cities across the UK now. And, and to be honest, we tend to try and avoid that because we just think that local people living in the UK will want to live in something more appealing, unique, kind of niche, kind of quirky. Um, uh, and with a bit of identity about it. And those projects tend to be your smaller scale developments. And as a result of that, I would suggest that even if you're buying the very earliest phases of a small scale project, the likelihood is that it's not going to take two to three years uh, to, to construct. And the completion is actually going to be probably within the next 12 to 18 months. Um, we actually have at the most extreme, we have developments right now that are fully complete. Um, we have a couple of developments where uh, corporate rentals or at least some form of rental agreement is in place. So ultimately the client is buying uh, with a sitting tenant uh, and obviously suits an individual that's looking to, to lower their risk as, as much as possible, which you know, it, undeniably we still find ourselves in relatively uncertain times, you know, there is a very much an appeal to that. So that, that's something that's garnered a lot of interest amongst our clients. On the flip side, we do have projects, if the client would want it, if the client wants to put in five, 10% uh, and stagger their payments, park capital to one side and, and hope that the UK certainly recovers in the next two years, then we are, we are finding developments that we do like that have that maybe slightly larger in scale. They're not going to be your 30, 40 story glass towers, but they will be slightly larger projects, uh, which will take longer to build uh, and will allow clients, as I say, just to to put some capital into the UK um, to kind of you know, wipe your hands of it for now uh, and then tackle it and, and, and look to complete on it when we hope that the picture in the UK is, is pretty positive a couple of years down the line.
Okay, cool, good. And then the uh, the situation with the property market is that um, measures are easing in the UK. So you know, one of the sort of um, or a sort of Piers Morgan target kind of irritations in its continual um, sort of daily diatribe of irritation was that um, it was now okay for you know uh, state agents to show properties, etc. Um, you know, is that really just a, a sign you know of one kind of how important I suppose property is to the UK economy? You know, Boris keen to get them going and get that part of the economy moving again, but also just you know how it's opening up again. You know. Uh, the property market, ability to view, ability to get um, surveyors around, all that stuff. Is that now really kind of underway? I certainly think so. Um, in answer to the first part of your question, I think even if you were just to Google, you know, UK uh, economics, UK coronavirus, there are going to be a number of uh, articles that pop up straight away which focus on the on UK property. Um, and I think that is a a representation of how important people think it is the UK economy. I mean, I think one of the one of the sectors to rebound the most um, following the actual election of Boris Johnson uh, was was the UK property market, because I think he's certainly seen as someone which who's very keen on opening up um, any borders or any any. The protections against UK property and certainly opening to investors investing in it from overseas. Um, in terms of where we find ourselves right now, I mean, the key, I mean, there has been, by and large, there have been contractors on site, albeit um, in a limited capacity over the last couple of months. Progress has been very slow, but it has continued. But where we really have seen almost a complete standstill is on the mortgage side. And the reason for that is that really surveyors have not been regarded as essential workers and therefore they just haven't been able to get on site and value properties. And the valuation is fundamental to, to any uh, mortgage application, whether it be for a new purchase or for a refinance. So what's actually happened, the most significant thing, thing that's happened over the last week, 10 days, is that those surveyors have now been encouraged to go back on site and that has opened up the rest of the market with it. Um, a couple of lenders still are working out what they need to do in terms of providing you know, protective equipment to surveyors and what the guidelines are in terms of the number of surveyors that can access the site at any one time, uh, yeah. the number of valuations that they can carry out in a day. But we are starting to see them trickle through. Um, and I think in the, in the weeks that follow, there is absolutely going to be a backlog of applications. So I think people do need to expect progress to be slower than it would under normal circumstances but the key thing is that we are now seeing progress lenders are saying we will and we are keen to lend again i think on that note as well we haven't seen any lenders george that have just fallen away from the market entirely even if lenders were saying we are going to suspend our lending for the next couple of months it was with the caveat that they remain keen and committed to lending uh, to the overseas buyer um, and really, by and large, people have followed their words. There's no, there's no one now that, that um, has said, actually, we turn our back on that market. They will continue to lend. We have the same number of lenders. We're working at a slower pace. But we are getting there. Okay, good. So it's opening up and moving in the right direction now in the UK, which is, you know, I think always a good sign. If the property market's moving, everyone in the UK feels a bit happier. 
um, and I think consumer confidence and confidence more generally kind of uh, will uh, uh, will increase as well. So I think broadly that's you know an interesting development for the whole of the UK economy actually, not just the property sector. And so I mean you know thanks for your time, Ben. It's a pretty detailed overview of where you know what you guys do, but also more interestingly what's happening in the UK and, and kind of where it's going. I, th I think one of the other factors that you know always pricks my interest during these periods is that obviously all this money is going out to um, uh, uh, to pay people's salaries. You know over fifty percent of adults in the UK are currently being paid by the government either through um, direct support or through furlough and um, you know that's that's very interesting and has to be paid back and then I always um, uh, suspect that when HMRC is charged with trying to you know recoup money um, to try and uh, build back up the coffers from all the money it's giving out during this period of time rather than focus on large multinational companies or or um, you know, very high-profile individuals with lots of lawyers. I think they tend to focus um, on you know the professional classes, and often try and get them um, uh, for you know minor infringements and and make them pay sort of heavy fines and stuff, uh, particularly on their tax. And so, obviously, the opportunity within property lies in the asset, also through the the mortgaging that you can help with, uh, you know, assessing the asset and giving people exposure to you know, the sort of assets that they'd like to invest in or where there's value, where you view that to be. But also there's the imports of, you know, managing that asset ongoing. And then inherent with that is the tax obligations. And I think, you know, in my opinion, that HMRC will do a renewed jump on people for smiler infringements to try and charge them a lot um, as we move forward. So, you know, it, it, is that ongoing management? And also, I suppose more importantly to this question of tax, an area that, that, that you can give a you know a bit of advice on now or, or an area that you can help with you know um, for clients that are looking for a bit of advice I mean, it's absolutely something that we help with um, we are in regular dialogue uh, with tax accountants in the UK um, and absolutely we, we are able to facilitate any kind of um, tax returns for clients um, we are processing right at this point in time uh, a good portion of I believe, actually, I've just seen over the last couple of days that a couple of my clients have had letters from HMRC um, in the post uh, saying between now and January, it's time to do your, your, tax, you know, your tax returns. And whilst January might seem a long time away, um, people can obviously put it on the back burner. Um, so we are encouraging people to kind of get cracking with it um, and just be up to date with HMRC. In terms of tax in the UK, I mean, as I say, uh, in terms of what where are we going to see what we're going to see in the future, I think there's certainly question marks around um, where stamp duty goes. There is uh, the, the promise uh, at this point in time, or the prospect of an additional two percent on on stamp duty. Uh, I think there is a growing pressure, certainly amongst people in the real estate industry, um, uh, pressuring the government for a stamp duty holiday. Uh, or for a further amendment on stamp duty. So where we are going to see where, that, you know, where that's going to be in, as of April 2021, actually, we really don't know. But one of the things I think we do do at TMP is pretty effectively is speak to people very regularly in terms of people that are updating us on any tax changes in the UK and how it's going to impact on our clients and ultimately then feeding that back to our clients. So I would just tend to suggest if anyone has any question marks around tax, how to go about paying it, 
or, or what it holds in the future um, and how it impacts them, just to get in touch with us. And you know, we will keep them fully up to speed with, with what's going on, what they need to do. Okay, good. I mean, I think that's a, um, an area that I think a lot of people might um, want to get some specific advice on, on that asset. And I think um, the, the trick with the tax plan is always to, uh, to make sure that you um, waive yourself um, to them before they make themselves um, uh, aware of you. Uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's a thing to be on the front foot on because um, if you voluntarily get in front of them and say, look, I am unsure whether I um, do anything, they'll be very um, uh, happy that you've put yourself forward. Whereas if they find you and, and they make an accusation, which, which, which you are, you know, have been a bit remiss in uh, paying your taxes, et cetera, in the right way, you know the, the fines are you know are, are high, and it is a government that's going to have to start funding this um, uh, uh, these sort of remarkable measures that they've put in place. I think I think that's absolutely true, and and we are unfortunately part of my role has been to inform clients that they have you know they face a hundred pound fine, uh, increasing upwards depending on how long they haven't filed their tax return for. Um, it's always a bit of frustration amongst people, obviously, but I think that again just feeds into the fact that people should be getting on top of this sooner rather than later yeah good so i mean i'm pleased we can point you know clients in your direction on that side for their you know property tax returns and stuff so look i mean i'll thank you very much um for your time ben it's um been really interesting and i'll probably look to get you on again i think um uh in the next sort of three months because you know it's the i don't know it's the most emotional asset um, property and it's the area that uh, a lot of people's kind of personal wealth often stems from or also the kind of sense of of buoyancy in an economy can relate to where the property market is and I think that you know kind of interestingly um, it seems to me that the government in the UK through both crises of the GFC and this one have, have done all they possibly can to actually protect property as an asset class um, uh, you know through the reduction in rates and that historically when we see market crashes they often come through um, either a completely unrequired or unwanted oversupply which the lunacy of regulations in the uk stops that obviously me being a free market person finds you know the government sort of involvement in um, the property sector in the uk a frustration um, uh, because it's often blamed on capitalism rather than actually um, the uh, true cause of blame um, to be um, you know over regulation in my uh, a, a, a opinion but um i think that there's this protection around it through the rates um and through people's sort of sense of wealth through the property which means that there isn't a kind of current immediate need for people to be looking to sell or a, a crash and so i think there's kind of nuance for you to take on property moving forward and i think you've explained that quite well actually that there isn't going to be an immediate crash there's there is opportunities there's things to be aware of and I think that overall summary is, is, is of interest. And I think for people that are looking to try and take this as an opportunity in property, I think it, it will be a, you know, one that is there, but probably requires a bit of nuance and thought. And I think that you know, for those people, I would encourage them to speak to you directly and have a chat. Um, when we send this out, I'll you know, put a link to your email and people can reach out to you directly. But um, thanks for the time. Um, it was massively appreciated. And I, um, I hope that, uh, yeah, you have a good end to the week and that, um, now, fingers crossed for all of us that we start seeing a gradual kind of opening up of the economy in the UK. No problem at all, George, and thanks for having me on the call. Um, uh, just concluding remarks on my side, what I would say, we have had conversations with people that are waiting on the sidelines to try and find 
the perfect moment um, to buy when prices are at the absolute bottom. And we've seen people try and do this before. I mean, we saw people try and do it kind of in November, December, um, certainly post-election in December, when people tried to find the optimum point and price to the lowest. And actually, what we do tend to find is the property market, when it, when it starts to kick into action, things can change very, very rapidly. Um, and I have seen people, ultimately, by waiting on the sidelines, miss out on the opportunity that they were trying to target in the first place. Our view is that it's certainly better to be in the market than waiting on the sidelines. Um, and on that note, you know, if you do want to kind of prepare yourselves, uh, more than happy to have a conversation with, with any of your clients. Uh, we are certainly in it for, to develop long-term relationships. We're certainly not going to, you know, encourage people to, to buy straight away if they are not comfortable with it. All we, we want to do in, in terms of a first conversation is really answer any uh, questions your clients might have and provide any guidance um, that they might need. So, you know, more than happy to speak to any of your clients, as I say. Um, hopefully it's been of value and, uh, yeah, I'm very keen to chat again at any point you, you want to have me on. Cool. Good stuff, mate. Thanks for your time. Really enjoyable, really informative. And um, we'll definitely be um, uh, uh, getting you back on. Look forward to seeing how things move on. But uh, thanks for your time. And um, we'll, uh, we'll catch up in a couple of months. Cheers. No problem. Thanks, George. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.